Amen. Um, I believe it's going to be a shorter message. Uh, the the uber spiritual will say, oh man, that's not going to be a spiritual message. They should all be super long. Amen. You can watch another YouTube when church is over, I guess. We say things like good luck. We say that was a lucky break or if the fates allow or whatever the fate family has to say about it. The world will say things like uh, uh, the gods must be with us. We hear things like, well, you got to just take your chances. Well, whatever happens, happens, uh, you know, or things just happen. All of those little sayings imply that we're open to some kind of a luck or some kind of a chance or a fate. That's actually not biblical. And I might say things from time to time, sometimes, like sometimes you got to take a chance. You just got to let things happen, whatever. But it's really not a biblical stance that we take. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. It says, In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Do you guys catch that? He worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Didn't say some things. He said all things. As in things don't happen by chance. Things happen on purpose for a reason. We forget that God has everything under control. I say we because I'm absolutely in that scenario. When I get stressed out because work is just killing me, amen, or whatever is just dragging me down, we forget God's in control. There's really no such thing as chance or happenstance in the big picture. Look at the next verse, uh, verse 12, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. I found encouragement reading this thinking, you know, Whatever comes our way, whatever storm we're facing, whatever valley's coming our way, who do we first trust in? Christ. Ephesians 1, 12. Ephesians 1, 12. But pretty much every problem we face in life that we get stressed out about could, could be uh, uh, repaired or uh, fixed if we just render it to the Lord and we first trust in him. Because it's easier said than done. It's easy to preach it. It's a lot harder to live it. Amen. How many times people will have a problem? There's a problem in a marriage. There's a problem in a family. There's a problem in a home or somebody's got an issue. And they say, yeah, I prayed about it. No. Praying for 10 seconds or a minute or two minutes just isn't going to cut it. Well, I'm living for the Lord. You haven't been to church in three months. Just because you don't go to church, right, that doesn't mean that you're Mr. Uber spiritual, but it sure is a symptom of where your heart is. And when people say, I'm just living for the Lord, it's like, well, you're living with them, so clearly you're not really trying to live for the Lord. See, what we do is we, we want to live in our own sinful flesh and do all the things, that we, all our sinful bad habits, and we want the Lord to bless us. I'm getting out of rabbit trail. Let me keep going. Just because it's a shorter message, amen, doesn't mean that, amen. The point I'm trying to make here as we start this message is when we have a storm or a valley come in our life, we just remember that we're first trusting in Christ. He's our anchor. So what are we getting worked up about? Where's our, where's our trust supposed to be? Romans eight twenty eight. you should be there. And we, and we know that all things work together to, for good to them that love God and to them who are called according to his purpose. That's a promise that God has given us. 
That we can find comfort in knowing that God, that God meant whatever this trial is for his glory. Some way, somehow, and it might be a spouse, a lost loved one, something serious, devastating. But it is in God's control and he meant it for his glory. And sometimes we can't explain that. Sometimes as a pastor, I, I, all I can do is I can trust in his promises and point to that. Give him the glory. Brother Tony, did you open us in a word of prayer, brother, as we get going? Amen. Can we turn to Acts chapter 23 and 2 Peter 1? Acts chapter 23 and 2 Peter chapter 1. We could preach many messages and have many great Bible studies, and we will in the future, I'm sure, about the promises that God's given us. There's a lot of promises he's given us. We forget them because we focus on ourselves. Right? But, but God's given us a whole lot of promises. It, God gave Paul some promises. In fact, Paul was given a specific promise by God that he'd be preaching in Rome. We were here a month or two ago. Acts 23, 11 says, And the night following, <clears throat> the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. Remember when Paul was in prison, he'd just been beaten, he's been going through the ringer. The Lord, we had, I had a whole message on it. The Lord came and stood by him. He was with Paul. This was like, I guess, maybe a few weeks ago, a month ago. And the Lord himself encouraged Paul, said, Paul, be of good cheer. You know, I need, I need you in Rome. You're going to be doing this in Rome. Which means what? And, and, and not being, I'm, I know it's so obvious, but what, what's, what's that mean? That Paul should be encouraged knowing that he's going to be in Rome. Knowing that pro, God told him he's going to Rome. So while he's spending two years under King Agrippa, it kind of um, um, explains, sheds light on probably why Paul was like, hey, I, I, you know, I need to go to Caesar. I, I appeal to Caesar. He's in Rome. Probably gave Paul the encouragement to say that, right? Because Paul knew he was going to Rome no matter what. And he could probably see, oh, Lord's got me going to Rome through this avenue. And as we get into the message tonight, and, 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 and Paul's on his way to Rome, and, and the, 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 the ship just totally gets demolished, and we'll barely get that far. But the whole time, Paul knows he's going to Rome. He's going to Rome. Because of the promise that God told him. So no matter what happens, and it looked bleak for a lot of times, Paul could trust in the promise of God. It's the same for us. No matter how bad it looks, we got some promises that we can really, and man, tonight would be a good night to spend all night looking at promises. Amen. But, um, amen. Um, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. It says, whereby, uh, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Turn to Acts chapter 27. The storm that we're facing, whatever it is, whatever trial it is, it did not catch God by surprise. And I don't know, 
maybe the, the, the mountaintop and valley that, that happened and the struggle in Paul, the apostle's mind, I don't know. But all through it, he had the promise that he could remember back to. God said, I'm going to be in Rome. It looks like I'm going to die right here and right now, but God said, I'm going to be in Rome. Keep in mind, Paul had been stoned to death or stoned and left for dead. Maybe stoned to death, I don't know. <laughs> for what Paul's been through, Paul, at this point, you'd think, you would think that Paul would just be like, well, God said it, so it's just what it is, you know. Amen. Acts chapter 27, let's pick up where we left off here. And when it was determined that we should sail into Italy, they delivered Paul and certain other prisoners under one name, Julius, a centurion of Augustus' band. And entering into a ship of uh, Adrimidum, we launched, launched, meaning to sail by the coast of Asia. And, oh, I can't remember. Oh, I, I got it right here. Is it Aristarchus? Brother, Brother John, can you say it for me? Aristarchus. I did get it right. I, I wrote it down. Air is stark us. Aristarchus. You know, I, I practice this in the office. I have the little little Google speaker talking back to me, and I still I still struggle with it. Amen. Verse three. And the next day, we touched uh, Sidon, and uh, Julius Curtis courteously entreated Paul and gave him liberty to go into his friends to refresh himself. So, so just just we're, we're studying here. Who's Julius? He's a centurion of Augustus' band. Right? He's in charge of Paul. And what did he do? He gave Paul liberty to go visit his friends and be with them. What's that telling us right out of the gate? We don't have to be a scholar to understand much of the Bible. What's that, what's that, what can we learn from that? If we just, if we just get outside the, the black and white of the paper and just use our brains and logic. Paul has a good testimony with his soldier. Paul has shown character in this crazy time when his life is just being torn upside down, he's been in prison for over two years. He's been beaten. All these horrible things have happened to him. He's been stoned. He's been falsely accused. And now he's probably shackled somehow or in handcuffs. I don't know. Not handcuffs. But <laughs> zip ties for sure, Rachel. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> but I'm sure he's bound. But just the very fact that this centurion allowed Paul to be with his friends and spend time with them shows that he trusts Paul. We can't drive, I can't drive to work with this construction that's about to happen again and not get a little road rage in my heart or get annoyed with somebody. It's a bad analogy because I don't actually ever get road rage, but you know what I mean. Like I, I get annoyed with people when we're, when we're driving in the car, it's not me that is mad at everybody. <laughs> Amen. But we lose our testimony so easy. And, and, and for far less than Paul's dealing with. But what's Paul doing? He's being mindful of the people around him no matter what situation he's in. I would love to know in, 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 in eternity's future, whenever, the, whenever we learn these things and we, we, we know so much and God allows it, I would love to know if Julius, this guy, ever got saved. I mean... When we read, we just got like, what, one more chapter, two more chapters, and we'll, we'll be done here in Acts. And like, that's, that's basically the end of Paul, biblically, historically, that we, that we read on, right? So I would, it doesn't tell nothing about Julius. But I would, love, I would love to find out if he ever got saved. 
Because he spent a lot of time with Paul. Paul the apostle. I mean, he's basically tied to him for, for a long time, months. Amen. We, we, we have this mindset when we go to work. And I, and I have to reset my brain constantly because it's like putting the song leader head on. I got to reset. Not a song leader now. I'm, I'm being a preacher now. An announcement, right? It's these different hats you put on. And, and um, I used to change instruments in between songs. And, like, there's a reset that has to happen. Like, the guitar chord isn't on the banjo, Jimmy. You know, you, you got to think differently. And um, walking into work, you know, we, we have a work mindset. I'm tired today. What can, how quick can I get out of work today? What, how long's were we eating lunch? You know, is somebody going to buy me lunch? Did anybody bring donuts today? What can I do for myself? As opposed to, no matter how bad my day gets, I want to be a testimony of this guy, and I want to tell him about the Lord. We are bad at that. We are bad at that. Family reunions, we're bad at that. We're bad at that with our neighbors. Often do we talk to good, tall fences make great neighbors. I lived in the city, and like, man, I wish I could have taller fences. But, but how many neighbors do we have that we don't even talk to? This, this, that was first of all. Second of all, it made me think of this. There is very little, and th- there's little, but there's very little mentioned about Paul's family in the scripture. Very little. And all that Paul went, and I know the Bible doesn't tell us everything in every detail, but it just seems like I'm speculating. We're studying, I'm speculating out loud that if Paul's family was born again believers and they love the Lord, that there'd be mention of his family trying to get him some food and trying to help him out and be a blessing to him somewhere in his ministry. There's no mentions of that. I was talking with Miss Kathy Shine Sunday night, and <clears throat> she was saying what a blessing it was just being part of a good church and then being a part of a good group of ladies and how wonderful it is, and she was really gushing about you guys, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> um, but she's right. And, 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 and we have something that, that the world will look at. When you look to find something wrong, you can always find something wrong, whether you're right or not. You can find something that you don't like about anything, period. When the world doesn't like uh, uh, Christians getting together and having a good time and, 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 and loving the Lord, they'll start saying things, well, that's like a cult. And it's easy to say that when, when you get along better with your church family than your normal family. But what they don't understand is, and I always use this as an analogy, but it's so true in my life, going to a bluegrass festival, right? There's bluegrass music. Yeah, it sounds good. It's like, oh, just, you know, it it just, there's a limit to how much enjoyment you can get out of that. And it's just, it's it's shallow, shallow music. But man, you, you got friends that are listening to gospel music. Now you can talk about things that, you know, matter, Godly things, and all of a sudden, you're drawn to this so much more. So, so often is the case when you're growing in the Lord, man. You're closer to the your brothers and sisters in Christ than you are often with your unsafe family. It doesn't mean that they're bad folks. It's just that you have two different uh, 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 natures inside of you. You want two different things. It's like a Republican and a Democrat living in the same house. You got two different perspectives, you know? Amen. 
Amen. Uh, verse 20, uh, chapter 27, verse 4. And when we, notice the we, had launched from thence, we sailed from Cyprus because the winds were contrary. I just want to take a moment to point out, this is the fourth mention in the book of Acts, that the fourth section in the book of Acts where the author is saying we. Formally, the author is anonymous. But probably, it's Luke. Like, like really, really probably, <laughs> you know. Um, um, which, which, if you think about it, I mean, if we think about it, how noble that is <laughs> and full of character that is. He's with Paul for a whole lot of these journeys and a whole lot of the, these, these, these stories and these things that are happening to him. And Luke's telling about it, not even mentioning himself. Telling about Paul and these other guys. You kidding me? Nowadays, men would make themselves the, the victor and the hero. And also, Paul was with me when this happened. Right? We're lacking character nowadays more than we ever have, particularly uh, uh, my generation and younger, particularly the men. Amen. Particularly. Amen. Now look at verse 5. It continues with the we narrative. It says, and, we, and when we sailed over the seas of uh, Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, a city of uh, Lycia. And there the, the centurion found the ship of Alexandria, Alexandria sailing into uh, Italy, and he put us therein. So now they've boarded another ship. And he goes on, uh, the author says, And when we had sailed slowly many days, and scarce were come over against uh, Snidus, the the wind not suffering us, we sailed under Crete over against Simone. Why, why are they moving slow? I, I know these are obvious things, but I'm pointing it out on purpose. Because there's not a lot of wind to help them. There's not a motor on the boat. I got a, um, my uncles uh, just, are just, uh, Smart with money, they're well off. Um, one's actually an advisor. Um, they're just, um, I got some stories about my uncles, amen. But um, I got one uncle that is in Florida, and he just bought some big fancy boat that's got, he's a deep diver, and he's got one of them boats that got the four motors on the back. And I don't know anything about motors, but my dad was telling me how big each motor was. Sounded impressive, amen. They didn't have that. So if there's no wind, you ain't going nowhere. Me and Noah, Central Park, New York. Beautiful day. Look, in the park, they got the little remote control sailboats. Hey, let's go do this. It was boring because it wasn't windy. If you knew a little bit about sailing, you could, you know, you could do something with that, right? But we, we didn't. In fact, I remember Noah stood up and said, I'm going to go make some friends now. And he went and talked to some strangers. Amen. Amen. But there was no motor on the boat. I did a little studying on, on sailing, little studying, and I learned that there's something called tacking. You guys might know about this stuff. I don't know nothing about that. And it's, and it's where, where, where you, you, you got to move the sail a certain way, and, 
and, and it's like on a 45, but you can't go too far in or it's not going to do nothing. But it, you got to certain degrees that you can move the sail and you're going to grab the wind no matter what direction it's going. You'll be able to move the boat. But the problem is you, you, you can't go in a straight line unless the wind's directly behind you going in the exact direction you want to go. Most of the time it ain't that way. So you got to adjust the, the, the sail. So now you're going to move like this. And you're going to move like this. You, so not only is he saying the wind ain't blowing but they're going really slow. Not only are they going really slow, they're not even going in a straight line. Man. Amen. Verse 8. And hardly passing it. I mean, it must have been, they must, can you imagine going that slow with no wind or hardly no wind at all? I mean, you're looking at the same piece of land for hours and hours. Amen. It's like fishing and not getting a bite after a few hours. Just gets boring. Verse 8, and hardly passing, it came into the place which is called the Fair Havens. Nigh whereunto was the city of Lycia. And when, and when much time was spent, and when sailing was now dangerous, because the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them. About the fast being already passed, he's talking about the time of the year. As in, it's not wise to be out there this time of year. Paul knew this. Not that he was particularly a sailor, but he's done a lot of sailing in his journeys. Amen. Uh, verse 10, and, and said unto them, Sirs, this is Paul speaking now, he said, I perceive that this voyage will be hurt and with much damage, not only of the lading of the ship, but also of our lives. Which, which just shows Paul's wisdom, right, concerning sailing. Verse 11, uh, Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. There's an illustration there you could use all day long. Man's wisdom as opposed to the man of God. Amen. And because the haven was not commodious to a winter in, the more part advised to depart thence also, if by any means they might attain to Phoenix and there to winter, which is in haven of Crete, and lie toward the southwest and northwest. And the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, losing thence they sailed close by Crete. But not long after, there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Eurachlodon. And when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. And, and, and uh, I chuckled to myself when I was reading this at the thought of somebody thinking that there was a woman on board that they're like, oh, let's let Sarah drive. No, it's talking about the ship. Talking about the ship. Letting the ship just, just drive as in wherever, wherever the wind takes her, just, just let her go. Otherwise, we're going to have problems. Things are going to break. Verse 16, and running under a certain island, which is called Claudia, uh, we had much work to come by the boat. And when they had taken up, they used helps ungirding, undergirding the ship and fearing lest they should uh, fall into the quicksands, straight uh, sail, and so were driven. The undergirding of the ship uh, was literally wrapping uh, ropes around the hull to give strength to the ship, uh, specifically so that the crashing of the waves, the harsh waves, uh, to give it uh, support. Amen. Which, and then, of course, got me watching videos of, you know, ships being crashed. And, you know, you see those big videos where the big waves are coming in. And you kind of hope it sinks the boat, but you don't really want to. Amen. Amen. Verse 18. And, and we being exceedingly tossed with the tempest, the next day they lighted the ship. As in, they got rid of anything that wasn't necessary for their journey. That was day two of the storm. I can't imagine... Hour two of the storm, let alone day two of the storm. Amen. 
uh, verse 19, in the third day, we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. So by day three, they were desperate enough to overthrow all of their furniture and gear is what uh, my study found was the tackling. Uh, some commentaries had different things to say, and people get heated over what the tackling was. Th- that is also beside the point. There's no great depth there. The point here that the author's making is, hey, each day it got more desperate, and we threw more stuff overboard. Amen. Uh, verse 20. When neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. I just want to point out, who's the author? Probably Luke. But more importantly, not Paul. I don't personally believe that Paul lost hope. Paul was given a promise that he could trust in. Which, by the way, when things seem like there's no hope, Anybody that's been a Christian for a while, studied their Bible a little while, knows that's when God likes to step in. So that man can't say, look what I did. I parted the seas. No. No. This has a strong reminiscence of Jesus in the bottom of the boat. Right? Things are getting bad. A very similar storm. He wasn't worried about what was going to happen. Everybody on board was freaking out, worried about what was going to happen, but, but the, the Lord, he wasn't worried. I'm not saying Paul wasn't concerned, and he wasn't worried about his safety. He knew he was going to get to Rome, right? Doesn't mean that bad things aren't going to happen. In our natural and narcissistic sin nature that we have, We always think that our situation is worse than somebody else's. And guess what? The more narcissist we are, the more selfish we are, the more we think that our situation is different than everybody else's. And you know what? Our situation is harder than some other people's. You know what? Some other people have situations that are way harder than us. It's the same old thing. Well, I can't serve God. I'm too busy. And I, 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 can't, I can't be faithful to church. I got too much going on at home. Who, who, who doesn't? I got, um, before I was a pastor of a church, all our married life, before then, you have to pry me from a church service. When I'm sick, I didn't come. The rare time I had to work, I, I wouldn't come. Sometimes that happens, Right? But that's where my heart was. That's where I wanted to be. Not just because I'm the pastor or the assistant pastor or youth pastor. It was the, that way before then. And my point is, there were times where I got zero sleep, but I wanted to be in the house of God. There were times when I would walk in, even this church, the back door, not a, had any role in the church, coming right off a roof job. But I wanted to be in God's house. If I could make it, I'm going to be there. If I can, I won't. I'm going to do everything in my power to be there. My point is, we say, I'm too busy for the house of God. We make time for what we want to make time for. We say, I can't read and pray because I don't have time. We all got 24 hours in a day, seven days a week. You say, well, I got to get my sleep, all right? Get an hour less. Amen. 
I can't imagine being in, in a storm on a boat for a whole day. I mean, that, that sounds, I mean, throwing up, I mean, come on, that's bad. It's dark, you, I mean, it's, it's just horrible, it's rainy, the winds are going up and down, you're miserable. I, I can't imagine it for a day or for two days. But day after day after day, and we're not getting that far, we're about to close, but verse 27 tells us that they were stuck in the storm for a total of 14 days. And, and there's like, we're not going to get there, but it says there's like 200 and, oh, what was it, 63 men or something like that. There's over 250 people on board. It's not just some little tiny ship. I mean, it's a good-sized ship, amen. It's probably the size of the auditorium or double that. I don't know. At least that, I would imagine. But my point is, 14 days in a storm, being seasick with 250 men, if I see here and see Rob about to throw up, I'm going to lose it. Right? Imagine 250 of those. Miserable. That, that would be rough. Amen. Let's, uh, let's close with this last verse. Acts 27, 31. Or Acts 27, 21. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them. Remember, it's, it's still, they're still in the storm. The, the, the waves are still going up and down. It's still dark out. They can barely tell day from night from, from the, 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 the lighter fog in the air. It says, but after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and have not loosed from Crete and you have gained this harm and loss. Paul's basically saying, I told you so. He's basically saying, y'all should have listened to me. We shouldn't have even done this. You should have listened to me. But I've got good news for all of us. Amen. Let's continue there next week. Let's close in a word of prayer. Thank you, God, for your word. I thank you, God, for the excitement.